Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. This week we're talking about the, what do you call it, Documentary Challenge 2013? Yeah, the yeah. International, International Doc- Documentary Challenge 2013. We spend ourselves about five days in Eddie's stinky guest house making a documentary. <laughs> to be fair, we were the ones that made it stinky. Yes, yes. privatized blame, socialized stink. And uh, we're going to spend a little bit talking about uh, the experience we had all holding up to make an impossibly ambitious documentary in five days. My name is always Ateeg Christie. I'm sitting next to Brian William Venifter. Greetings. Michael Dorkman Scott. Hello. And Trey the Amazing Stokes. <laughs> <laughs> Not today. Not and today. Eddie the Eddie Doty. Hello. And uh, Eddie, what's the deal? <laughs> well, I, I had done the Doc Challenge back in 2006 or 2007, and I did it by myself, and I immediately realized how foolish of an idea that was. And I always said, if I was ever going to do it again, I wanted a team with me of like-minded individuals who'd be willing to commit and you know who would have fun with it. And uh, sure enough, uh, you know, every year kind of would go by and I'm like, oh, it's not really a good time. I've got this gig. It doesn't really work. And and this year was particularly not a good year, but I said, fuck it. It's been far too long and I really want to get some... Why was it particularly not a good year? Oh, just uh, just craziness with my job and schedule and all this other stuff and just, you know, uh, it kind of gigs kind of coming and going as opposed to something steady that I could sort of plan out. But <clears throat> I'm like, fuck it. You know, this, it, it, I'm, you know, I'm going to be 35 this year and I am, in fact, at, at this, at, as of now, I am 35. Uh, Wait, when birthday. Yeah, well, not yeah. today, but oh. yeah, like a couple weeks ago. Um, Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, but no, it's just, I just knew I had to do it. And I kind of sent out feelers early on, and there seemed to be enough interest to where uh, I could have a, a decent sized team behind me this time that would, you know, help. And we could all do it together. And hopefully you guys would enjoy the process, learn something about doing documentaries, and have something to offer that would be sort of outside of my usual, um, you know, uh, wheelhouse. And, and indeed it was. So. Cool. All right. So here's what happened uh, we all got. Waves. <laughs> we got hailed by Doty saying, we're working on this documentary thing. Do you want to be a part of it? And everyone who raised their hand ended up being a part of it. So it boiled down that Eddie was directing and, I guess, EPing and yeah. co-editing. Or yeah. editing? Or co-editing. What? Co-editing. Me and Jeffrey co-editing. Um, Ryan Weber was the cinematographer. Uh, Jeffrey Harrell was the post-supervisor and co-editor. Uh, Brian Associate produced... The, the movie. I did the score and visual effects and graphics supervised. Mike and Paul did VFX stuff. Mike color corrected and finished. Uh, I did the, the sound mix. Then we also had people that weren't involved with Diff that were around too. Um, we had, um, let's see. Paul Lou. Oh yeah, Paul. 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 I said Paul. I said Paul. Samantha Bode, his friend who uh, was my associate editor and also she did an amazing job of like of doing media transcoding in the field. Like we'd be interviewing somebody and she'd be working on the previous day's interviews. And and our buddy and, David Shatinoff generously provided quite a bit of equipment. Mm-hmm. Ray uh, Duran. Along with Pearson. Uh, yeah. Oh, and Pearson, yeah. Pearson Jacqueline, a buddy of mine who's uh, another editor I've worked with uh, over the years on various shows. And we always help each other out with our own individual stuff. Ray Duran or Duran on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> gave us all the computers that we needed and most of them were JPL computers which was awesome (laughs) that was kind of cool we had space computers anyway it was basically just this ragtag group of people most of whom you know holed up in a small guest house eating bags of chips and not sleeping very much for five days straight (laughs) oh it was fun it was actually a lot of fun fun in a miserable kind of way but it's (laughs) to elect into the trenches with a a four stated amount of time that you know you're going to be there it's actually kind of fun like when you're working grueling hours and you have no idea when the project's going to be done that sucks but when it's like all right we're all just gonna you know lock arms and do this for five days straight everyone bite go and you know i had i had a really great time doing it 
Uh, I thought it was really fun. Was it? Was this what you expected out of this year's? I, everything. Everybody. I mean, did things go well? I, I mean, it, tell it, the people they how went, it went. They went extraordinarily well. I I expected good things from everybody just because I I happen to have very talented friends and and uh, and I know everybody. That's and cheating. I, I really felt. I really did kind of feel like it was an unfair advantage. I'm like, there's like way too much talent here to possibly make this fair. And and I said from the beginning, I said, look, we're gonna have fun. We're gonna let the chips fall where they may, but. When you set out to do something like this, you have to attack it. And you have to be like, we are going to win this. And you have to approach it with that sensibility. If, if Dude, Eddie had us come over for three pre-production meetings up to a month before production just to sort of plan our roles and, and figure out the days and what we're going to try to do and this, right. that, and the other. But we couldn't be too specific about it because we didn't know what we were going to do. So for those for those who don't know what the hell we're even talking about at this point, the International Documentary Challenge is uh, promoted by KBHX, I think, in, was it Ohio? Where, did, where the hell did we say uh, Missouri. St. Louis. St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. Well, K would be on the west side of the yeah, yeah yeah so um so it's and it's, it's called letters work it's in association with uh pbs and uh hot docs which is the international documentary film festival in toronto and it's in association with all these other people and if you've ever heard of a 48-hour film contest it's similar to that except obviously with documentaries there's no way you could get anything done in 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 48 hours so you're given five days and there are much better, much better. Yeah, right. Yeah, now it's a breeze. Uh, but the ba- the way it works is you sign up and you register your team, and then once you sign up, you don't know what the hell you're going to be doing until the day of. There are, and that's how they ensure that you did do it in five. Days. Exactly, uh, one of a few ways. Yeah, and there's uh, ten total genres of documentary that. You that are available. You might get randomly assigned. Yeah, you get randomly. Now the day of, you're randomly assigned two, and then in addition to that, you're also assigned a theme. The theme is usually just one word, um, and it's it. You can make your entire film about that, or you can just incorporate it in some way. It really, you only need to mention it once, but it actually has to be pertinent to what you're talking about. This year's theme was harmony. Uh, uh, previous years was cycles. One year was faith. One year was hope. Bubbles, I mean, just batteries, pretty pretty generic sort of terms. But we didn't know that, so initially. Actually, when I did when I did this and I, I got and got everybody together, I said, "Look, let's let's meet now. I want to assess a what everybody can bring to the table. B what everybody wanted to do because I I didn't want this to just be a thing where I lean on everybody's talent that they're most known for. I I wanted to give people the opportunity to step out, try new things. A lot of people are very experienced in this stuff, but very few have actually worked in documentary or nonfiction filmmaking. And so I knew for a lot of a lot of everybody it would be, you know, an, an opportunity to try something new, and I wanted I wanted people to have sort of the freedom to try that. Like I knew Samantha, I could be I, I knew I could lean on her uh, to edit and to help you know with media management and stuff. But I also knew she wanted to be in the field, so we were able to incorporate that in a way, and we'll get into it later how she was able to do that. It was fun. It yeah, was a good time. So I got to score it, and I'm still not officially someone who scores things, so that was fun. Right. And you can hear the score now if you want to. I think to. you are at this point. I mean, this is not. I the think first if thing you've done it, then you were officially someone. Who <laughs> I guess so. Tautologically, I believe that's how it works. Yeah. Compo- well, I, I became a documentary filmmaker the first time I made a documentary. You know, I, I mean, like so. that's that's how that's how these things work. In the Robert know. Rodriguez, Christopher Walken sense of the world, we're all dying, but you're not dying like Chloe back there's dying. Anyway, uh, but I got to. It was a, it was a line from Fight Club. The character he was saying was named Chloe. I wasn't talking about Chloe's everyone. Anyway, um, but I got to score it, and then also, do, well, I I have worked in nonfiction shit. I worked. On a lot of like docudrama and reality TV shows, right. doing motion graphics for those. So I have a 
pretty extensive background in doing motion graphics and titles and lower thirds and stuff, but I also got to do the odd job visual effects stuff and also score it and also do the sound mix. Scoring, I guess I've sort of done once or twice before and sound mix I had never done and they were all really fun. Brian, you did something that you don't, or you you, you had a thing about this one. Yeah, well, like what Eddie was just saying is basically uh, what I did and why I volunteered to do what I did. I'm terrible at producing and any kind of... Uh, <laughs> management or organization or schedule anything in that field i'm just uh, awful at and always have been and as a result hated it and have these great big aversions too uh so this uh, you know i volunteered to to be you know an associate producer so i could kind of like try to attack that and get better at it so um that's what i did and, and he fucking kicked ass. i was i was completely impressed i mean a lot and that kind of came about i think from our second meeting because brian wasn't there for the very first meeting but for the second one i was going through the list of you know we had by the second meeting we had pretty much boiled down okay we have probably three definitive stories that we could pursue and you know that could fit somewhere into these genres we had one primary story which ended up becoming what we ended up going with and then we had like two others that i felt were very very solid and you know things we could develop either way there's gonna be a lot of things needed in terms of phone calls and teague was actually the one who said eddie you need a producer and and brian was like i can make calls and i'm like producer like it, just, it literally came about that way so the same way i'm a composer now brian's a producer well i knew i can make calls hey you're a, you're a producer i knew from the very beginning it's actually easier to get to be a producer that way <laughs> yeah. Than, yeah. than to become a composer most producers that's that's kind of their life story i knew from the beginning that i knew immediately that you know even though i'm an editor by trade i didn't want to be the only person editing, I knew I would need another person's eyes on this. Just likewise, I knew I could not be the only producer on this. I, I knew that I, I needed sort of people underneath me and working with me side by side to to achieve this thing. So by the end of, we ended up having like three pre-production meetings total. Um, that first meeting was just general discussion, me kind of pitching my ideas. And it was sort of an open forum. Mike, you know, we all, th- it was there. We all threw out different ideas. I also knew I wanted to lean on Mike a little bit, just kind of like a, another set of eyes story-wise, just to make sure that even though it made sense in my head, I, I needed that outside perspective, someone really from the outside. And, and Mike was kind of like my ombudsman in some ways, like just, I'm like, this is, this isn't crazy. Right. Like, and it's like, no, this is okay. And, and even at the very end, like, I mean, like hours before picture lock where Mike threw, threw in a couple things that I think were very suggestive and helpful to, to get that in there. Um, but you know, so by the end of the third meeting, we pretty much figured out what we're going to do by that point, Pearson had come to a meeting. We knew what formats we were going to be shooting on. We knew visually what we were going to try to achieve for all three sort of possibilities. And uh, I felt very confident at the end of that third meeting, which was literally just less than a week away from the 28th was when the competition began at 8 a.m. And so then it was just a matter of getting you guys there at, you know, whoever I, I said, whoever wants to come by 8 a.m. on Thursday, I'll have breakfast. And, uh, you know, and then you think more people would have gone. You thought, yeah, that, <laughs> I mean, still a decent amount of people show. But honestly, by like noon, that place was like crowded. Yeah. From what I understand, so, so yeah, so that that was you know that takes us to the competition. So, so. eight a.m. on Thursday, we all pile into Eddie's house. I think Paul was there every second of the five days. Paul Paul astounded me with just his like I, he was just in and he was just and and he was there like I mean he was cra- he was sleeping on the floor a lot like you know just getting shit done. But yeah, the definition of hard worker is just a picture of Paul. Like Paul really <laughs> yeah. commits to whatever he's doing. He's badass. I have a huge professional crush on Paul. <laughs> so we get together, we start to do the thing, and what do we strictly have? Strictly professional. What are our, so, our, our, so 8 a.m. Thursday. I have a strictly either. professional massive crush on right. Paul. <laughs> 8 a.m. Thursday morning rolls by, and sure enough, uh, our genre choices were... Um, 
biographical slash character study, which is one genre. And then the other one was art. And then the theme, as I said earlier, was harmony. And it's sure enough that ended up allowing us to pursue pretty much what was the this the main story that i had hoped we were going to get and i'll go ahead and just give sort of the non-spoiler version of that now um i've said it a few times here back in 2000 2001 i filmed and released an independent documentary called life in the cage which was a early look at the mixed martial arts underground scene of that time profiling some of the biggest people it was i mean i was a film student it's not that good of a film it barely qualifies as a documentary but whatever it it got distrib- you know distribution for whatever reason and it sort of kind of helped launch my career there was uh, a certain person and i won't go into details because I, I i bust a Shyamalan in the stock y'all um <laughs> there's a certain person in there who was a particularly interesting character who uh, you know people remembered very clearly and I knew that I could go back now and get interviews with people who were in my film and people who were around the scene uh, to talk informatively about this person and this person's story um, so we knew that's what we we're gonna do and I had I'd reached out to a few of the people that we had been you know sort of impossible you know the different stories that we had possibly gonna do we reached out and said hey just you know kind of clear your calendar rough this time because rules of the competition we can't write we can't do anything until the competition actually starts and i always wanted to make sure we we're on this side of the rules um, so we had our interviews lined up for all three stories sort of tentatively like, yeah can you please not go to like arizona that weekend pretty much yeah i mean in just like, in case and there was i mean there was even like a, a possibility of like okay do we need to go to oregon for something like there you know there was there was possibilities luckily we were able to keep it all local relatively local ish local ish i mean yeah there was a, a couple hour drive out east uh you know at one point but we'll get to that later so we get that and so we knew we were going to go with uh, what we would eventually call fighting in plain sight. Uh, we wouldn't come up with that title until late Sunday, but uh, <laughs> you know, for a long time we were just. I remember it's a bummer when, of a title when when uh, when when Brian was having everybody sign releases. We just had to leave the title blank. We we're just like we we don't know yet. We'll put it in later. Um, so we get that and sort of a, a last minute swerve that I certainly wasn't expecting, but I actually ended up booking a job that basically said, if you take these two days off, you're not getting the job and it's a long gig and I got mouths to feed y'all. So it was, it was a really, it was a tough one for me. So Eddie wasn't there for the first two days. He was at work. Well, hold on. He was there <laughs> in the evenings and then worked all night long. Yeah. But for the, for the large part of the days yeah. when people were screwing around filming stuff and blah, 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 blah. Well, I mean, Eddie had other things he had to do. There was, there was one show shoot Talk where there's one shoot where Brian was like the second unit director uh, on Thursday and so he went down and he interviewed this one person um, but yeah that morning once we got that information I kind of gave everybody their marching orders and I said goodbye and I drove down to El Segundo for my job I came back at 8 30 and at that point was my interview and for that I brought in my friend Pearson uh, who owned the EX3 we shot an EX3 and we shot on Red Scarlet um, and Pearson I, I you know I've worked with him enough in sort of my side of the industry to know that he could interview me and sort of produce me as he needed to so uh, Ryan operated camera and 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 our previous meeting um, Pearson had like given Ryan a brock of instruction on you know, how to operate the X3 and how to get everything going so that he had a level of familiarity with it so we busted my interview out my interview I thought would take an hour and 15 minutes I think it was like two and a half hours at the end of it like it was a long ass interview and the reason why it had to be is because I and I told Jeffrey this as soon as I found out I was going to be working it's like alright we're going to film my interview and we're going to start we're going to start editorial structuring it as if that was our only interview and and from that point as we added interviews we could just swap out my bites for anything that was better and my directive from the beginning was only use my bite if nobody else says the same thing um, even if they don't say it as good swap it in there 
and then we'll just go from there. Right. Um, so that you don't dominate the. Exa- yeah, because I had no interest in in seeing. I I got really I get sick of my face really quickly, and uh, yeah, me too. We all do. We all have that thing, and so I. No, I meant your face. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. Uh, I don't blame you. I love um, you, Eddie. I know. <laughs> so from that point, and especially after five days, I would imagine not. Um, so at that point, I could I could work it so that Jeffrey could essentially edit late in the evening. I could edit late in the evening. I don't I don't think we really day. talked about Jeff's role. In yeah, Jeff. Yet. Jeff basically. I mean, actually, he was my first guy. Jeff Jeffrey was Harrell, who's on the forum. Well, not so much anymore, but old diff guy. Jeff, I knew technically had the know-how to where I could very much lean on him from a post-production standpoint. So actually, before I even had my public meetings, I came over here mm-hmm. and I met with Jeff a couple of times and I said, look, you have to set up the infrastructure. You have to set up the post, you know, if you're interested. And he was totally down from day one. And I said, okay, you're going to oversee it. You're going to, and, and we designed sort of a workflow, regardless of what story we got. I knew that I wanted to have a hand editorially, but I also knew I couldn't, I didn't trust myself necessarily to be solely responsible for it. So, and I wanted other eyes on it. I other wanted perspectives on the story and in documentary post is half the writing. And so it's, I, I always knew like, okay, you'll, whatever we shoot, you'll string out. I'll take a pass on that. Then you'll take a pass and then I'll do the finishing pass. And mm-hmm. we would kind of play ping pong with it back and forth. And then once we added Samantha Bode, who was our associate Is editor, Bode or Bode, Bode what a, and there's only four letters. So I, <laughs> I imagine Bode, uh, once we added her, it's like, okay, we found, we pr- found a really good workflow by, by Sunday. We had a really, really good workflow in, in how to handle posts. So, Anyway, so Jeff, uh, Jeff, I think had come over with you in, on Thursday morning. I gave everybody the directives. We shot my interview Thursday night. Uh, Jeff, understandably, was burned out because he had. Here's the other thing with this MMA idea I had is that I had 30 hours of archival footage shot on DVNTSC that we were going to lean on from your documentary, from my original documentary, like your old raw yeah. footage. And it works out in the rules, but it all, that you can use that stuff as long as it's less than 50 percent of the footage on screen for you know in the finished product right so that was another thing that was kind of hanging over our heads like okay we have to make sure we have to (laughs) not dominate i came with the idea to do split screens a lot so that it wouldn't you know so even if i covered it would still be original footage on screen you Mm -hmm. know in the form of an interview um so we shot my interview. Trixie we, we worked late into the evening on Thursday, but I still had to go to work the next day. So uh, after a certain point at like two in the morning, I think everybody kind of left and um, and then I went to sleep. I actually slept out in the guest house at that point. I basically told my wife and, and props to my wife for taking sole care of our son for that entire five days. I just said, just pretend I'm on vacation. Just pretend I'm, I'm working out of town or I'm not here. Right. It's just we don't live here. And just, you know, just I'll see you on Monday was kind of my attitude. So at that that point the machine was starting to come together you had already started designing the sort of i wanted a treatment look for the uh the old footage and you can talk about that i know you've done like your oh i mean it was just this thing where eddie wanted to take what looked like 2001 mini dv footage which it was and make it look like like awful demagnetized vhs that's been beaten against the wall footage from like 1991 um so i just came you know started fiddling with footage and piece by piece building together this What's effectively a plugin that can dial in different amounts of various kinds of VHS um, demagnetization and, and chroma weirdness and all all the things that happen uh, based on the reference that I saw, uh, and it's it's. It's, it came out really nicely, uh, and I ended up publishing it. You can actually download it and use it for your own projects if you want to. It's free for anyone. Uh, you need CS5.5 or CS6 to load it, but uh, I'll, I'll post that in the thread for this episode. But yeah, it was cool. And then Mike ended up using it on all of the footage uh, when he was doing all the color correction stuff. 
So and that whole that whole thing was like a that and this is what I'm talking about. I could like trust you guys because that was a whole process that I was largely blind to. Like I, you presented me with the look, I approved the look, I said okay here and just with a few parameters, just stick with this, and then I just forgot about it because in that in those five days, I I there was a lesson I had to learn really early on was I do not have time to micromanage this. I have to trust blindly and then knock out the things I know I need to knock out and then oversee the whole process without killing myself diving too far deep into any one of them. Otherwise this whole thing would have sort of unraveled, you know what I mean? And I think that's where a lot of teams sort of lose it is that they start micromanaging too much and then, Oh my God, it's Sunday. You right. know what I mean? And, and that was not something I needed to do. Um, there was a point Saturday, I think where everybody was doing everything. There really wasn't like a thing for me to do at that moment. And I sat on the bed while Teague's like doing like music and color correction and, uh, Jeff and Samantha are editing and, and, every, and Paul's doing like these, these motion picture things. And I'm just like fight the urge to take over something, <laughs> just sit here and just try to rest. More and than just, once you know. that weekend, Eddie just got his, what do you call the sticks? My scream sticks. He screamed yeah. and just went out into the backyard and just was like, do, like doing exercises and hitting the tree and shit. Just like, <laughs> you need me? No, we're good. Okay. <laughs> just walking in circles. Yeah. Uh, it was a, it was a similar thing, you know. Like looking at the back of his hands, like, "Hey, there there were definitely moments." And I even <laughs> I don't made know the this joke as well to, as I thought I did. <laughs> I made the joke to Jeff. I was like, "I'm just standing here. I've nothing's everything's good. Okay." I was like, and so I made the uh, the Simpsons joke from when Homer uh, when they move and he works yeah. at the place. He goes, "All right, can you guys work harder?" <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. Simpson. I was like, "All right, <laughs> all right, good job. All right, done. yeah." No, and it, it literally like I'm going to lunch. I knew I had to like let go of certain processes a bit just to keep it flowing. And the other thing I had to do was sort of there were points where I feel like people would reach a certain level of frustration, specifically Jeff and Samantha when they were cutting. Where it's like, all right, they, they I would give them a task. They would do it for four or five hours at a time. They would sort of hit a wall. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, I had to be like, okay, it's all good. No worries. Stop what you're doing. Jeff, I want you to do this instead. Samantha, I want you to do this instead. I'm going to jump in and do this. Because I knew that we had it was an endurance game. And if I felt like everybody was sprinting against a wall, they were going to get burned out really quickly. Right. And so I had to kind of keep everybody's minds fresh and keep them on tasks that wouldn't sort of destroy their will. And, (laughs) and so just to keep them like consistently moving, you know, and, um, and I mean, it was, it was crazy enough in the field. Brian actually did the very first shoot of the documentary when you went down to Marina del Rey, Mm -hmm. which, and had to fight, just insane traffic on the, the way back. Literally the worst traffic I have ever encountered in LA. It on took the way him back. three hours to get back. Now this, th- this is usually without traffic. It, it's a fifteen minute drive. It yeah. took me. Well, it's minutes. like twenty minutes. Yeah, but well, I mean, like but twenty. It, days it later. literally took me an hour to go from. And this is not going to make any sense to anybody outside LA. But it took me an hour to go from Washington Boulevard to Sepulveda Boulevard, which is just. It's like four miles. It's insane. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like four or five miles. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, and it got, and I was working further south. And, yeah. um, and and so that was that was Ryan and I. We we had both driven separately. But and we Shatnoff met you out there too, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. 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 Uh, but so Ryan and I, uh, you know, started driving back at almost the same time. And then actually Eddie calls me, and because our interviewee had called you and said, "Yeah, you guys left a, a light here, right?" Oh. And so I, I so I called Ryan and was like, "Did we leave a light?" And he was like, "I, I don't know, but maybe." So I'm like, okay, well, sounds like we did. So I'll turn around and because he he had all the footage. So Ryan kept heading back towards the edit bay. 
day and I turned around and oh, I think it took Ryan two and a half hours and it took me three because I had to make a loop. In the meanwhile, shot. Owen Ward's like Sebulba Boulevard. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you have that there? No, no, no I wish. Sepulveda. Sepulveda. Sepul- yeah. Sepulveda. Yeah. As, as, as people, I called it when I first moved here. Or as people who like, like people from like telemarketers from out of state call you like, is it Sepulveda? Sepulveda. Because um, I used to live off Sepulveda. Um, but. Don't even mess around with Kawenga. Kawenga. <laughs> so that and that night we were interviewing me. So and I was fighting traffic coming back from El Segundo. Yeah, because you're even further south than we were. I, I was way further. South. I was yeah. south of the airport, and it was uh. So that was that was nuts <laughs> to begin with, and then so Friday again I have to go back to work, and then and then our next interviewee is a journalist for ESPN, a buddy of mine who lives in downtown LA, and so I'm coming up from El Segundo. They're driving down from the valley. We end up sort of in the same place, roughly at the same time. But downtown LA, if you've never been there, it is these amazing loft apartments and hipster restaurants right next to Skid Fucking Row. Like it is, <laughs> it is Hobo Town from Tom Goes to the Mayor. It is, I mean, and at night it gets eerily quiet like it's not like a bustling metropolis that you think it is like at night it's just like there's yeah, three people weird there's yeah. three there's like three people no one, across the basically street no one lives there it's yeah. not like new york no one lives downtown right. well and those who just... do stay the fuck in at yeah. night like they don't they don't dick around there's you a screaming guy with no teeth and a piece of paper blowing across the street it, it, there's it, a joke that gets made a lot i know it's been made in family guy before we're like there's nothing to do downtown when talking about downtown la yeah and it's really absolutely true there's nothing there's downtown. nothing yeah there's like i mean there's cool restaurants during the day on a weekend like and and I have a lot of like female friends who live alone down there I don't I don't fucking get it there's a good art scene if you know where to find yeah, it if, yeah there's exactly theaters. right next there's to all you do jury suit jury right next to all the abandoned toy factories like yeah, I mean yeah. it's I'm not That's even creepy. it's called the toy district it's these toy factories that have not they've been shuttered for 30 years you just hear the silenced wails it, it, of one yeah. Furby I, it's like yeah, all the cracked writers <laughs> when I go when, we go when me and the cracked writers and, and Sean and Sean baby go like meet up it's usually at this place called worst Koosh. Oh, I've been and, there yeah and it's but it's like fucking in the middle of nothing. So anyway, it's terrifying. So we did our interview then, and then we came back um, and this is Friday night at this point. And we, we get back in there. And at this point, Jeffrey has strung out interviews that are nothing but me and this clinical psychologist that we interviewed. It's just, it's exactly what it would say. It sounded like at this point, it's just me and a clinical psychologist talking for half an hour. And I'm like, Oh God, this is bad. (laughs) And our interview with Josh, uh, it went well, but you know, it wasn't a knockout of the park. Like, I mean, visually Ryan did everything I wanted it to, you know, but, um, but Josh was very reserved and understandably. So he did provide some good sort of anecdotal stuff, but in terms of like the, emotion that we were going for it wasn't quite there um which was fine i kind of anticipated a little bit of that um once we got we got home we got his stuff in the can and then it was like all right how late are we gonna work and jeffrey i I mean i never wanted to push somebody past their sleeping point nor did i demand that people spend all their waking hours available there i never demanded that of anybody pretty much opted into it but yeah yeah, you opted into it i you know as long as you opt into it and you're free to walk at any time but as long as you opt into it and you agree to it this is what i expect you make your hours your own just just do this thing you know that was that was something i was very cognizant of from sort of a leadership perspective um and so by this point saturday rolls around by this point i am dead fucking tired because a my son was not going to sleep like and i'd have to like pop in b my dog was on the verge of needing surgery so i had to like literally pop in a couple times in the middle of the night to 
stop my dog from screaming. Uh, I mean, because it was, it was, this is what I talk about. Like when See, I say bad you've been timing. working all day and then working all night and then working all straight. night. I, I have, I have this little bracelet that like measures my sleep and it's like, you've averaged 45 minutes of sleep this week, uh, <laughs> per night. And just to put a little bit of imagery into this conversation, when we talk about where we were working, Eddie's house has a little sort of unfinished guest house out in the backyard. So what we would do <laughs> is park on the street and then just walk through like through his gate and just walk into his backyard yep. and take a beer out of the fridge out there and then go into this house but there's no lights in his backyard and we spent a lot of time coming and going in pitch black yep so we're like <laughs> with that little dip in the, the walkway yeah, the that walkway almost was, killed me several times yeah. that dip sucks i'm and sorry about we're that we're sort of like very slowly walking with our hands in front of our faces like okay step 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 there's the light under the door step step ow step step open door for four days it was it was it was delightful my mom my, my mom my wife said she got quite used to just seeing shadows in the dark in the middle of the night uh, like just walking out i of thought house. about that at she one was point. like she was like yeah, it's okay and then like she had a friend of hers come over for kind of like an extended uh uh slumber party oh, just exactly to that out. was yeah so oh, okay. just yeah i waved to her, her once because i was like i don't think i've ever interacted with this no Car- she doesn't and, know me from adam no and carly and carly knew what you guys were there for she would be, they, they were just getting drunk for like two days straight so that was that oh, was nice good. too but they were like hey documentary people um that's what you're <laughs> all like, look a deer yeah so then by that point i think I think Mike came by Friday night, Friday night or Saturday morning. I can't remember which. Um, um, I can't either. That's it. Like I said, it feels yeah. like a year ago. Uh, so then Mike came by, and then Saturday was like our really, really, truly big day. We had two shoots out in the Inland Empire. We had to be in Rancho Cucamonga, which, if you don't know, is about an hour and a half east of here. Um, we had to be there by 10 a.m. And then we had one shoot to knock out at a, at a gym, and then we had to go to um, Dan Caldwell. He's the co-founder of Tap Out Clothing. We interviewed at his home, actually. like his, uh, his, his weekend home was out there, and thankfully it was only about 35 minutes away from you know, where we're filming at, but those were our two big ones. And I knew, I knew we had to get those really, really good. Meanwhile, Sam is like doing a live intermediate and everything. Yeah, that was, what was so the, the thing was like the night before originally the crew was just going to be, you know, the crew on Friday night was just me, Brian and uh, Ryan. And that was it. And then I said, okay, I'll see you. I'll, you know, I'll meet you guys out there. And then at that point, uh, I came home Friday night and the ones working late in the night were Jeffrey, myself, Paul and Samantha and Sam and Paul were just like, we want to go. And I'm like, you know what? Actually, I need you to go because if we run long on our cards, Sam, I need you to get the footage off the cards. Uh, and then so we can reload, which tr- literally transcode in the car if we needed to. Thankfully we didn't need to, but she was still transcribing Josh Gross's interview from the night before. So, and also there was a scene where I wanted to show one of my interview people, Eddie Millis, I wanted to show him some footage and I wanted that to actually be like a verite scene. We had very little like, verite or reality footage in there but both of all that was shot at Eddie Melissa's school and that was a shot on the red and visually that's what I was going for I wanted that to be I wanted a separate look for the archival footage which I wanted to make beat up DV VHS look we had our interview footage which was a standard 1080p 24p cinematic that and then for our verite I wanted the red I wanted that specific look off of Ryan's camera but Samantha could be transcribing and doing all this stuff Paul brought his still camera was getting still photos just helping out. I mean, he was. It was just nice to and, and driving. Thank just God. To, yeah. yeah, and just to have an extra pair of hands to. <laughs> yeah, just to, to break everything down, grip, and set it up, grip utility. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because totally a lot of times, when I, crush. A lot of times when I first get there, I need to kind of. I need to get like there's a there's an art to interviewing. I need to get the interview subject comfortable. We can't just barge in and right. set everything up. I've got to keep them loose and conversational. I've got to get them talking before I do my actual interview. So once we sit down, it's a little more relaxed. Now, Dan Caldwell had his own reality show for two seasons, so he's a bit more media savvy than your average person. But I still 
you know, I, you know, I don't see Dan every day. So I didn't want, I, I had to do sort of that right. social, social stuff where I was just kind of getting them warmed up and, uh, visually I was very, very happy with everything we had. Uh, we used pretty much just Ryan standard. We had the RA kit. We barely used it from Shatnoff, but we used Ryan's led kit, which I was, I was pleasantly surprised with things came out a little on the dark side, but I was actually okay with that. Visually it was once I saw all the shots together and all the interviews together on the string out, I was like, this this works for me. Like I like right on. I like the low light level, especially with all that VHS look stuff is particularly bright. You I know was I, mean? I was concerned about that in the yeah in the color grading. I was it was I was like oh this is popping between light and dark. Really but I kind of I kind of dug that contrast and I kind of sure. dug the on the red. I kind of dug the cool yeah kind of temperature to it. The, the VHS yeah the VHS tended to VHS tended to skew more towards amber, which I was I was totally okay with. And then our interviews were like these kind of darkened but clear. It was very clear shots, but it was it was it definitely did push a bit on the dark side. When it shouldn't have worked, but once I saw it all together i'm like this i like this i like when i cut i know where you're going to it doesn't feel like you're like you know where you are in time when you're watching particular scenes meanwhile while this is all happening eddie's like i need a track that sounds energetic go and you know sort of putting together any sort of music that i thought would work well i mean i get do a few we, you know, we'd go through a few revisions and, and just piece by piece put together pieces of music for this that would then get put into the mix and then get cut and shortened and this, that, and the other. And then later, and this is jumping ahead a bit, but just to complete that thought, later I would take the final uh, uh, mix minus with just the uh, the music and the sound effects in it, take that back, and then basically remake the music to fit what it was now and then put that back into the cut so that there were no actual edits in the music track at all. Right. It was one big thing that was flown, you know, it flows together um, from, from cue to cue with everything lining up exactly how it's supposed to, but also not being um, choppy. The original directive I think I gave you for the music was, um, was, you know, a uh, social network social soundtrack, network, yeah. uh, but also with elements of, like the Moneyball soundtrack. That was, those are the two sort of points I was kind of going for. And then as we developed, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to need a, a montage where I need it to be up a bit. And then, and you know, we went back and forth on a few different cues, but I mean, we always knew we were, we were always looking at the same problem the same way. We were just kind of circling it. And uh-huh. then it was just a matter of tightening the circle. So I'm overseeing the music. Uh, and by the, the way, you can hear the whole soundtrack at downinfront.net slash FIPS. There you go. Fighting in place. Uh, <laughs> and then at that point, you know, at, and at this point, there's a, it's a multitude of paperwork and things that I know we need to be doing. And thank God Brian was there because uh, honestly, Brian was the guy. I mean, half the time, Brian was just like, call this person. You have to call this person. You ADD motherfucker. You need to call this person. Uh, and, and thank God for that. Cause otherwise it, we call it would Brian your have, chief of staff. He really was. I can't, I can't <laughs> understand. I can't understate that. And, and I know, yeah, and you know, Mike was only there hardcore committed like for that weekend but he was there and like that's and i told him and robert dunn who i also don't overlook either like i just like having them there i just like how yes it was a, a small cramp space and yes we all stunk by the end of it but i just like having people there like if i needed to say guys does this make sense i could point i could have you guys look at it and yeah. kind of be my like i said my ombudsman and sort of the guy keeping my my north star and sort of i knew if the story would make sense then i'd be okay uh because by end of saturday night we had a bunch of footage but very little of it actually cut uh and thank god for sunday because sunday was the day editorially well everything kind of came together so and it was not an easy process but we that was when we really got that was when we really got all the gears sort of flowing and that was when the workflow between paul myself uh 
and uh, and and Jeffrey and Samantha and I, all the post workers really coming together. Meanwhile, you're over on the bed, just plinking down. You know, you brought your keyboard. I just hear this random tapping, just like the of just the keys. I know you're doing something awesome. I don't know what. And and then again, this is I can't under I can't underestimate Ray Duran's contribution because that network he set up with this eight gigabyte. Cat nine cable, uh, basically Ethernet cable, networking all the computers. Normally, you don't network media through Cat nine, like or through Ethernet. You do it through fiber or you know right. or some other kind of thing. But you need to network it somehow. But you need to network we can't Do this whole thing with so speaker. I, I was a little sketchy, and but but I mean, it was it moved like lightning. Like I mean, I would ask for shots. I'd have Samantha be cutting to get put pulling shots for you know X, and she would have that up, and she's like, oh, it's in your server, and it was there, and I could open up the project and, and boom. Uh, same thing with the music. We just jump it on a jump drive, but on somebody's laptop, everybody's laptop was kind of fed into the main edit. Right. machine jeff and i would sort of take turns on the edit rig by halfway through the day sunday i was kind of in the driver's chair editorially mm-hmm. but jeffrey and samantha were always doing something and always feeding me stuff it's like okay this is coming together and just everybody's notes i remember coming in sunday morning and i had strung together just a 20 minute mess of stuff that i knew was just choppy and long and just kind of it was i had to work, get that out of my system but thank god when i came in sunday morning everybody's like okay this needs to go, this needs to go, this needs to go. Right. And I'm like, you guys are absolutely right. And thank God. So, And then on Monday was our finishing day, which is when Mike is doing color correction on the whole damn thing, and I'm literally writing a new cue. Well, I, I'd reach picture lock 2.30 a.m., Monday morning and at that point like it was just me at that point it was just me and Paul like we're the last men standing and I got it to this point I got the queue there I had to temp in a queue I had to temp in um, uh, Moon and Moon by Bat for Lashes because that's it's kind of a a pretty piano uh, melancholy kind of sound yeah incredible Hulk in theme Um, piano stuff I so that the ending really came together in sort of the wee hours of Sunday morning at that point I looked back at it and I wasn't exhausted I could look at it and say okay I'm happy with this there's a million little things I could change but you have to say lock at some point at some point you have to say lock and I'm like this is the short this is the film and and I went to sleep kind of thinking like there's a solid chance people are going to wake up I'm going to people are going to see this tomorrow morning and go well that's the movie I guess like I I knew that there was that was going to be thing thank god i saw it the next morning and i was blown away well thank you because the first the, the first four or five it's a seven minute thing it can't be longer than what like seven and a half seven minutes, minutes period seven minutes uh and the first five minutes of it are sort of focusing uh, on the scene and setting up characters and all this stuff and it had been coming together for several days but it wasn't really working for me and i was anticipating coming in and seeing the lock cut and going yep there we go and it was just suddenly boom totally worked like everything is just like completely clear and really engaging and blah, 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 blah. It, I was blown away by how, how it came together. All the stuff that I found the most boring was suddenly really interesting. Cool. Came well, that's, together. That's, that's, and of course, we good. get there on Monday and you're like, oh, by the way, I got a call from the Department of Water and Power. They say uh, yeah. there's a substantial <laughs> chance that the grid will turn off today. Yeah. That, so, so we're that like, was just like, and I was, I was already en route to the office when I got the call. Right. Like I'd already left the house and I'm like, great, my house is blowing up. As so you, so yeah. you, you call Jeff and tell him that. And the first thing he does once he gets off the phone is he saves his work. And we had the whole thing. Ray had set up this wonderfully huge battery just in case, like auxiliary power. So we have enough time to, you know, save and close the program before the computer turns off. And as soon as he gets off the phone, he's 
sort of saves the project and just yanks the power cord to see what will happen. <laughs> and it goes out. It just clicks off. It oh, wasn't no. connected to the battery correctly oh, at no. all. Two of the things in the back of the battery that you can plug into weren't connected to anything inside the battery, apparently. It was an engineering thing. So Jeff is like, okay, glad I know that. And he fills around with the battery, does this again, tries the process again, yanks the cord. This time we have five minutes. Okay, cool. We're walking on eggshells. You know, we're calling everyone like, hey, if we need to, can we go to your house to finish this thing? Right. We'll be ready to pack up and get there as soon as possible, as long as it's okay. Right. When you say yes, uh, just in case anything goes wrong. So it's, you know, tensions are... They, they didn't they, the tensions didn't dissipate after the, the picture lock because we only had no. one day for me to literally write a new song that I wrote without Eddie hearing and he, he heard it for the first time when it was too late to fix it. I, I literally had to like once I set that track and I'm, I'm like okay this is another situation where I've put people in place that I obviously trust and to do work you're you playing know? risk I, I am <laughs> and it's like it's like all right I put them there for a reason and I always said from the beginning like look I, I there's I the rule state all work has to be voluntary. So you're not doing this for anything other than a hot dog and a handshake. And I didn't get my hot dog. We got a pizza. I didn't get a hand. Yeah. Oh. Well, I shook your hand. I, I hugged everybody. I was going to say hand <laughs> job. Profusely uh, over the course of five days. Uh, there, there would be, I had to like stop myself from thanking you all at some point. There was like, there was one. There was one time where you I was know just what, you know how there's thanking like a, everybody. There's a there's there's angry drunks and friendly drunks and I love you drunks. I'm the I love Eddie's you drunk. Eddie's and I love you hard worker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, like it. Well, because like I was also He's just, I love you insomniac. Just like you, just like and I was and I was fucking exhausted mid Saturday. By the way, like mid Saturday, I was fading out. Brian took probably the worst photo of me <laughs> I've ever seen in, in yeah, life. Yeah, great photo. And there was like, and I was just like fading. I remember, I remember we're driving back and Paul has Spotify on and he's like, hey, who wants to hear music or whatever? And people were just calling out requests and I'm fading and every song up to that point had been like Arcade Fire and Bad for Lashes and I'm like, I need to wake the, f play some punk, like play some Bouncing Souls or something. And like, and they play New Day by Bouncing Souls. And at the end of that car ride, when we hop out, I'm like, fuck it. Let's kill this day in the face. And uh, and that kept me going literally until until we like an, until like three in the morning. But Saturday night, I made sure I got five hours sleep. If I did that, I knew I'd be OK all the way through Sunday. And then did you see that video of like the baby whose favorite song is uh, Gangnam Style? And no, so not seen that. it's a it's a video. He's totally asleep, and then they put it on on the radio, and oh. instantly he's awake and dancing to it. <laughs> he's like six months old. It's that, amazing. That's kind of how I am with with New York hardcore, I guess. But um, <laughs> but yeah. So he uh, so Sunday, you know, night. Like I said, I lost picture. I had to leave, and it turned out it, the power was totally fine. It turned out the gal who called me like misplaced because my water actually was what they needed to work on that to replace something in the pipe and I didn't get water back until Wednesday but <laughs> that's a whole so even after this long like protracted thing I couldn't even shower until Wednesday which is like the worst feeling ever um so but then uh yeah Monday I, I knew like Monday morning like I was happy with what I had I I woke up that morning I looked at it again I'm like I feel good with this like this is the story I wanted to tell and that was the other thing and this, this bears noticing if you go to the documentary challenge webpage, like, and if you watch all the finalists, they're all good, but they're all more short character profiles or people profiles or incident profiles. There's no like 
story arc. There's no beginning, middle, and by end. By and large. There's yeah, by and large. There are there are some differences. But you know, I mean, even like last year's winner, which was called Sound and Vision, great, great little short documentary, and it's a great profile about a very interesting person. It's not a narrative. You right. know what I mean? It's more of a Jiro Dreams of Sushi than a Exactly. Than an indie game movie. Or something. Yeah. And and speaking of which, Dear Zachary is one of my touchstones for this one. Like I always said, my my reference points for this film for Fighting in Plain Sight were going to be half Dogtown and Z Boys and half Dear Zachary, and it'll make sense once you're able to see it. And hopefully, you can look at my film and sort of see the influence there a little bit. But but I knew I knew from the beginning. I if I was going to do this, I wanted to tell a story from beginning, middle, and end. Even in the other two things we did there was a narrative structure there. And I've always maintained documentaries, you know, look, a lot of people get into documentaries for social justice and activism and political. Great. Awesome. More power to you. And there are some good pieces of work that way. I got into documentary to tell good stories that just happen to be real or, you know, sort of grounded in reality. And that's, and that's what I feel like. Reporter. Yeah. Well, but, like but again, but no, here's no, the thing. he said he wanted to tell good stories that were grounded in reality. Oh yeah. But that's the thing is like, and I, I've said this from the beginning and I said this to Josh, I'm like a documentary filmmaker is in no way a journalist. We are not beholden to journalistic standards. We are telling a story that is true, but by the same token, we, by the fact that we're editing and ellipsising, you're going to alter the reality in somehow, you know, and, and that, and I, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to tell a story that was real, but tell a story from beginning, middle to end. And I feel like we did that. Um, we certainly can open it up and, you know, in maybe other iterations of this, we will, but I knew I had to sort of set myself apart from the pack in that way. Right. You know what I mean? That was one of, that was one of my serious goals, regardless of what story we ended up with. Um, so yeah, Monday morning I left, you guys were frantically finishing the score. And Mike, what was your Monday like? Yeah. My, your, your Monday was busy from what I understand. Yeah. Monday, Monday for me was the busiest day because, um, I got, I got, the basically the entire thing because the cut the cut was locked so i got the entire thing from jeff um of the cut and the the footage and stuff like that so i could take it home and do a grade <clears throat> it through um uh premiere so i actually actually xml'd it out to premiere from final cut and then did the the grading in premiere with colorista and all of that and then also used the round tripping to after effects to do the vhs this is stuff. all news to me by the way like this is how like blind to the process i was yeah, yeah. um and yeah the the color grading and stuff i was like i don't know yeah, like you actually didn't mention the color grading very much later in the process like right. even after it was done i was like okay that's good that means he's not noticing it um and or it's not bothering him so um but yeah, I graded all the the A A roll stuff, all mm -hmm. the interviews, um, and then did all the VHS processing, and actually left the red stuff alone because it came out with a with a a look that I kind of went. I think that's fine. I probably could have crushed it a little bit more. Or something, no, I, I was very, very happy with how the red stuff came in because we opened with the red. Yeah. And you know, we opened with the red. That was like our first shot. And I wanted almost like a dreamlike state to it. I wasn't going to like throw a lens baby on it or anything like that. I didn't want to go like too over the top with it. But I yeah, wanted I, sort of like an observational, very like voyeuristic sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I felt the um, it was good because you didn't go. You didn't go to the extreme of the lens baby or the super out of focus. Yeah. Like, like um, your, that, your depth of field is exactly five inches. Yeah. And, you know, that's bullshit. I, I hate that. I mean, we talked about that on, on the monsters commentary, how that's become the yeah. new, the it new used, amateur. It used to be 10 years ago, we were all trying to kill each other just to get some fucking yeah. depth of some field depth in of our field. shots. Right. And now it's like, if there's depth of field in your shot, it looks like you didn't try. And yeah. dude, in documentaries, <laughs> it is a thousand times worse. Like that's because everyone's it, shooting on, you know, 70, everyone's shooting on 70. And that was the other thing. Like all throughout this process on Twitter, I'm 
periodically checking. I'm checking the other teams. I'm seeing what they're doing. And everybody, everybody who's like behind the scenes of our doc. And it's just five seven Ds on tripods, which like, are great it, cameras, by yeah, the way. Totally I, love, good. I love them. But yeah. they, they have a look that we wanted to avoid because we've seen it a lot. Well, because because we knew that everybody else was going to have that look. Right. And so just to, to, to look different, simply to look different and to stand out in every possible way. We went, you went a different way. And I, yeah. think, I think that was a great call. And I like well, yeah, thank you. I think I think one of the, the tweeting. You were like, I have a VFX supervisor or something like that. And someone else from the, some other team was like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I had to like respond. I'm like, what movie are you making? Yeah, exactly. And not like that. Fist. But the exact, and that was the other thing. And I, I threw, and I, at one point I tweeted, I'm like, are we the only ones not shooting on fucking 5D? And I had one response going, C300. Like, and that was, and that was, whoa, whoa. really? Yeah. There's one. On t- and we're not the only red team, by the way. There's another team no, that shot on Red Scarlet. That, 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 that doesn't surprise me because, yeah. because there's reds everywhere. But the C300, that's no, but, an expensive But our red, we only it's, shot yeah. red on C roll, though. Yeah. Well, no, I guess was, I guess the C three hundred. Now that I think about it, it's not that much more expensive than than a red, a, a scarlet, a scarlet at yeah. this point. But it's just it's not as good. So why would you pay that? But well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but again, in my opinion, again, I, I mean, all of my, I don't own the only edit, the only gear I own is all post production. So I I mean, this is all people's yeah, gear yeah. that they're bothering. So I'm sure someone knows somebody with a C three hundred. But yeah, it is an expensive camera. But um, but yeah, so at that point, you would you you were just laying the shots off and getting everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically just just running through them because it was it's uh in the seven minutes there's i believe 72 shots 72 vh uh, like like uh b-roll no not is it the b-roll are we counting that as i'm a calling the vhs the b-roll, That's the b-roll? And, and the red b- stuff at the beginning the c-roll okay so 72 shots of b-roll in those um that all need minutes. their own individual vhs settings yeah that all need to be kind of tweaked and stuff like that and and have all that applied which i mean to an extent there's a template to plug it into and stuff like that but you still got to set it up and yeah and you, you don't want to use the defaults for everything yeah so right um so running through that and that was what took the most time and then also actually rendering it is yeah. uh, took took um a ton of time so, so you make the color correction into it you didn't give them back settings for final cut to look at when it's doing it on its end you no because color corrected the footage yeah because i figured that that you going didn't back necessarily and forth have color and, right. and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it was it was basically as if it were going into a resolve or something <laughs> right. it's like yeah you're just going to get back the the mix down and and you know hopefully you like it um and uh so got it back and i was af- i was afraid that i was becoming the bottleneck of the project i was like oh shit i'm gonna be the reason that this doesn't get in on time i'm the guy who's printing out seven minutes of hd frames yeah so but fortunately it did i mean it was a little it, it was late i got it i laid it in right around i managed to get it to your place and we got it laid in right around eight but there were no problems oh, wow. yeah and at that so, point i had been working on the sound mix and everything on my end so they both basically came in at the exact same moment yeah so we had the final mixed sound with everything put together and the music doing what it needs to do and the vocals all have their uh what they need and the picture is all right and it just comes in as a big chunk of video and a big chunk of audio right press play and and it all worked. Uh, the only uh, tweak I had after I hit play was the the mid mix or, or the mix minus was a bit on the low side mixed down, mm-hmm. uh, and my my music was writing in at like minus forty at one point. So I, at that point, I just took the mix minus and I just manually went in and final cut and just like boosted the levels a bit. Um, and that was the only like real thing I had except at that for the point. drum hit. 
The drum hit, yeah. So I didn't. It turns out I used a sound effect that I didn't own, and Brian thankfully reminded me that you don't own this, and <laughs> we don't know if it's royalty free, and therefore no. So then I'm like, Teague, last thing to do, give me a bass drum. Like <laughs> and at this point, we're all just so tired. He's like, well, okay, what do you want specifically? And I, I think I said, uh, what did I say? I said like, imagine oh, wait, the world's wait. largest bulldozer landing on the world's largest pillow. Yes, <laughs> and and uh, it had to be larger. Yeah, bulldozer larger landing on the world's largest pillow, and that's that was the that impact. Was, but then, but then the the best part was I was like, I, I think he just wants a. I, I'm thinking I didn't want to say, right. but I'm like I'm thinking I think he just wants like a drum, like a doom. And then you did just a drum thing. You're like, oh, a drum thing. I was like, well, I, <laughs> I guess I should have just it, said something. Yeah, it's, it's one of those moments where you're like talking about bulldozers. Am I pillows. crazy or is everybody else crazy? <laughs> yeah. I, I might be crazy. Well, I knew what the sound. I knew what the sound was, so I knew what I was doing. I mean, I, I knew what the original one sounded like. So it's like fake one of those. Got it. Right. And yeah. then it was just a matter of how much impact, how much drum sound do you want in the whoosh right because the initial one was sort of a yeah and getting there with a, a drum sound that initially sounds like pa takes some processing yeah. but, anyway, was, but like we're doing that at, like at the last minute brian's checking his watch we've we've checked double checked and triple checked that there is a 24-hour fedex within range right because we have at this point three hours for which, like either in the game or not in the game period yep. which by the way we should you know just mention that yeah we did we made it we made it with uh actually a one, full, one full hour to spare. Oh, one, oh really? One full hour. Okay. Uh, <laughs> after all was said and done, one full hour. Uh, but our original schedule had us finishing at like what four p.m. Something like that, that day. Yeah. So we're like, okay, yeah. And so, if you're in the film industry or you work in films long enough, and especially if you do a contest like this, you will get very good at fighting Murphy. And yes. Murphy will get just as good or even better at fighting back. <laughs> totally. We're talking about uh, Murphy's law. Murphy's law can go wrong. Will yeah. Uh, and so really the only you you learn after a while that really the only way to really fight Murphy and to win is to just give yourself way more time than you ever think you would possibly need because we thought we thought even like being done by four was generous and that way yeah we'd probably get done before then but thankfully we've all been in the industry and mm -hmm. made plenty of films let's in just the past. Set, let's just set our hard deadline at eight hours with extra time yeah and just like so we know like this is the stuff that we're anticipating that we're planning and there's a whole body of other crap that we know we can anticipate or are not thinking about at this moment that is going to come up like say the power possibly going out during the day or whatever <laughs> uh, or just the fact that laying in stuff takes longer than you, than you estimate it will like it always does uh, so just that aspect of like we know no matter how good we plan this we're going to be behind what our best estimate is. And so we gave ourselves that extra time that is absolutely necessary. So, and still you're like checking your watch, like, and still it's yeah, like you're, you, you build, you build a schedule as best you, as you possibly can. And you like plan to, to avoid Murphy as best as you possibly can. And despite all your best efforts, you're still like, fucking fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> right. So, but it well, worked out. But yeah, and it did, and we got it off in the can. And at the end, I mean, it's one thing to to do this process and to do this competition and to get something out, you know. And I and that's what I did in two thousand six. I got something out, and it was yeah, it was fine. But to get something out that I think all of us are actually really proud of, because uh, I'm I'm proud of the work we did, and the fin and not only that, not only it's one thing to be proud of the work you did, but it's proud to be like proud of the product like the end result mm -hmm. the end result stands on its own and, and my wife said it she said like it does not look like you did that in five days it looks like you had two weeks to do that or three weeks or four weeks it looks like you put that together over time 
Right. Which to me is the biggest compliment. You yeah. Know what I mean, and that's and I that's how I feel. So when can people see it, Eddie? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's uh, well, what happens next in this process? What happens next is now it's getting judged, and at this point, and sometime in early April. You know, we're recording this in, in uh, kind of early mid-March, uh, but in, in early April, the top 12 finalists will be announced. The 12 finalists will air, will be premiered at the Hot Docs International Documentary Festival in Toronto uh, on April 30th. And at that point, a winner will be announced and that winner gets a, a small cash prize, nothing to get rich over, uh, but a small cash prize and then also air on PBS. And uh, that's the dream out on the POV yeah. series. Well, and well, that's where the money comes in. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, and in, realistically, cash. like looking at it now, I always said, and I said this from the beginning, if this was something that I felt like held up and we did what we would maybe we do could some other do. festivals, other fe- open it up, get some other festivals, but also do, you know, maybe like a Kickstarter to fund a feature. Cause I think there's enough, there's certainly enough story there to find as someone who doesn't know anything about this shit, but who, who lived in this story for five days. Yes, there is a feature in this material. Yeah, there it definitely is. is. We, we, we threw out 90% of the coolest shit about this story just to make it so it works in seven minutes. There is so much there. Yeah. You could really do it. And down. we really had to like kind of backdoor our way into just cramming it into seven minutes. Like, I mean, yeah. whole chunks and whole people and whole events. And, and, and there was there were avenues that we couldn't even pursue because the, the timing the, was just too compressed. There was people, you know, I talked to the reporter on the phone. I talked to the district attorney on the phone. And it was like, yeah, if, you know, if we can do, you know, if we can clear these kind of hurdles ahead of time, then yeah, right. I'll totally be a part of it. It's all like, sorts, all sorts of fantastic. There's no way we're going to do that in this in this time frame. Right. But now we know that we yeah. had we had we had Mickey Marcella on deck, ready to go to the Rancho Cucamonga Police uh, or to the courthouse to get some court transcripts. Because and by the way, by the way, who, how badass does that sound? I know, right? Brian's and, on and, the phone with the DA, and she's going <laughs> to go get transcripts and microfiche. And if you don't know what the story is at this point, you must really be scratching your heads. But you know, again, I don't want to say too much about it until you see the film because I want the film to work on its, yeah, on its yeah. own. Yeah. Uh, I'm the thing I'm really curious about is like I I know sort of how the sausage is made when it comes to the nonfiction filmmaking and nar- non-narrative storytelling. And how did like your experiences like seeing sort of how it came together? Yeah, how it came together. I'm, uh, I'm curious I, for your impressions. I've spent a you know, like I said, I spent two years working in reality TV, just in a different office. But you know, I was next door to all the bays and everything, so I've seen it come together quite a few times myself. But this was, I was surprised how there the, the differences were exactly what you'd expect them to be from a from a real show. Uh, it was more informal. Uh, more people were doing more things, uh, and there was less sort of this is my desk, fuck off, don't touch my machine, then you'd, you'd see at a, a place where a guy has, you know, this is my bay, man, get out of here. Uh, yeah, please stop hanging around, I'm trying to edit, that kind of shit. But that's all, you know, part and parcel of putting five people in a room to make a thing in five days. Um, but everything else was really professional. It was a bunch of people who, everyone doing the main roles, if they didn't do it professionally, had the ability to. They were all good at it. They all, even if there was something they were doing for the first time, everyone was able to live up to a professional standard. So everything really played as a real show would. And I was surprised at how similar it was to actual shows that I've been on, you know, stuff on fuel or, or speed or showtime or whatever. Right. Uh, it was, it was a real show as far as I was concerned. I have a quick question though about, yeah, you said maybe we'll throw it into other festivals or something like that, but this is, com- I'm just wondering, okay. I, I, I don't have any aspirations, but I'm wondering 
does this qualify for whatever criteria a uh, documentary short subject for the Oscars needs? It can, yeah, it absolutely can. Uh, it has it, to be in certain festivals. Certain festivals, yeah. yeah it has it, to be but, but as a pe- but as a piece of work, it would fit the criteria if it got into those festivals. It's not like too long or too short or something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, short. I mean, short documentary. Literally, I think there's no. Uh, I think short documentary can be. It's like five minutes or something like that. But oh. most most short documentaries are like twenty five minutes. You know what I mean? But, uh, with the category everything. of the Oscars, we wouldn't not I, fit. In theory, no. Now the thing is, is like I would, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't approach it with an Oscar until I had like until we, you know, added more to it. Because I think even now, again, to the, fully the tell the story, version one wouldn't go to the Oscars. To fully to tell the story fully for what it is and what we know it is, we actually need feature length. But yeah. you could probably do a serviceable job in like the twenty to a half an hour range, right? Uh, even the fifteen minute range, I think you could really get a lot of the bullet points across, uh, and and sort of, and because even in the seven minutes, like. I'm, I, you know, I still manage to slow the pace down a bit. I right. managed to, you know, Jeffrey and I, like we, we knew we where we wanted to speed up and deliver information and we knew where we had to slow down to like let moments sink in and let moments hit hard. And like, there's a couple, there's a few reveals in this and one reveal was just a, a visual and there's no audio underneath, right. you know, and I had to let that moment breathe to really kind of like to do it effectively. So, and what, you know, what I love is that I think anyone who watches this documentary will be satisfied by it. They will have enjoyed those seven minutes and they're also g- going to be like, Oh my God, but okay. Now I want to know everything about that. Wait, right. what, what more, more please. That has been everybody's reaction that has been like like and and people like it to varying degrees yeah to loving it and then but everybody has said like i I need to know more now like what happened what happened what happened like that's Mm -hmm. that's kind of you know we kind of backed into that they're basically late on saturday the last person we interviewed gave me one line and kind of meant it as a joke but that once he gave me that line on the way home we're like that's how I break into the quote, you know, the denouement or like the epilogue right. where the story really opens up where normally that would be like the big reveal that would open into a whole extra 30 minutes. Yeah. I'm like, that's going to have to bridge the gap for now knowing what it is. Right. We can get a little more spoilery once the, the thing gets online. So and when, when, can, when can people see it? Um, yeah, basically Online, as, soon, I mean. as soon as they announce the finalists, it, we're either going to be on the finalist page in early April or at that point we'll release the YouTube clip to public, but we can't officially publicize it until, until that point because we would be disqualified from competition. So early April as of this recording. So like a month from now ish, three to four weeks from now, I would imagine. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. We were talking about, uh, expectations and what happened. I, I gave mine, but did you guys have any? Yeah. Brian, what was your, I mean, hey, especially in terms of, in terms of seeing the documentary or being a part of the documentary. Process? Yeah. I mean, being a part of the documentary, being a producer on a documentary documentary and just like seeing how the process was you got to see me interview three people and you know and do all that yeah i don't know i mean you know like like everybody else i've I've worked on reality and i've worked on reality sets so i've i've seen that kind of interview process before but i think this is the first really true honest documentary you know because reality is all uh, choreographed and largely it's similar but not really the same yeah but yeah Uh, but this is the first you know genuine documentary i think i've worked on um I guess I guess what I was most surprised by, and maybe it's just a, a anxiety or something that I have, but in terms of like, especially cold calling people, and well, you know, because I've made phone calls for you know like the Obama campaign, which is just literally entails oh, yeah. cold calling a bunch of people, <laughs> yeah, uh, and sometimes you don't get the the greatest response. Um, so doing something like cold calling a, a district attorney or or, or a detective or whoever and. Uh, <laughs> been just like okay i want to talk to you about this thing 
and not knowing how they were going to respond. Yeah. Or, you know, trying to interface with the bureaucracy and not knowing how they were going to respond. I've seen this right. work in movies, but I don't know if that's the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah, and, and not knowing what the kind of the response is going to be, but then getting a really good response. Uh, and I guess, my, I guess my fear on things has always been people aren't going to want to cooperate. People aren't going to want to help you. Uh, and then actually going out and doing it and finding that people are very willing to help you by and large and mm-hmm. willing to, to, you know, if you say, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing this documentary and want to talk to you or talk to whoever or whatever. Uh, I guess my default expectation always is for people to go fuck off, click. And that was absolutely not the case. And really, I guess surprising, even though it probably shouldn't have been, but also really encouraging. Right. I, yeah. There's also a situation where we forgot to release somebody uh, to get a release from somebody, and you had to go. Yeah, it was totally my fault. Totally Zero, no, no, it's, it's no, it's 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 not about blame. It's just about it's 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 it's, it's just an interesting thing. We were editing all day Sunday, and you have to like in the middle of the day, yeah, spend like three out. You have to go out there to like you know. It, was, it wasn't nearly as bad as coming back from uh, the Marina Del Rey, sure. but yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, we had to we had to bother the guy. He was at like LA Live doing something or other, so he had to come out. Right. And uh, but yeah, and and again, just be like, and how immensely professional he was about it. Like I was clearly, you know, had to interrupt something. Sure. Uh, interrupt his Sunday night, and but he was like, yeah, that's, that's okay, it's fine, you know, and yeah. He, he he knows what it is. Yeah. Mike Mike was cool. it was interesting because Mike just came over. Him and Robert came over on on Saturday. Just you were just writing like you were just yeah. like coming over. To, and I really appreciated the support. So it was cool. To yeah, like, I'm like, oh, if you if there's anything I can do, here I am. And uh, <laughs> there wasn't, so I did other stuff. But it's but it was fine, and uh, it was cool to see everyone else. You know, working hard, tinkering. Um, yeah. And uh, no, but it was it, it, I was also very impressed by everyone. Just coming at it, being very disciplined, going, okay, we're here to do a thing and we're, you know, going to get that done and making sure all the the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted and stuff like that. So um, that was cool. As far as as far as me, I for me, in terms of expectations, I didn't really have any other than to, you know, make the best product possible and and get what you wanted out of it. Um, So for me, it was just, okay, we're making, we're making a movie this, this weekend. And uh, you know, there were aspects of it that I didn't having not done any documentary stuff before. Um, and it just in general and, and certainly not on such a time frame. I was like, I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> right. So, right. um, yeah, that I, was, that was, that was in part, I mean, everyone else had their jobs. You had your producer and your, uh, you know, your post supervisor and Jeff and, and all of that. So I'm like, I, that was, that was why I took the role kind of, of, I'm going to be over here <laughs> right? because right. I don't know what i'll i'll break something if i just try and do something so if anyone needs me here i am otherwise i'm just gonna stay out of your way um which seems to have worked out (laughs) well no it was and and periodically i would remember i i remember like sort of saying like okay i just need fresh eyes on this i just need fresh eyes and that was like the big thing i always needed i need everybody to be fresh on something you know what i mean like that was like i said it's my big thing was like from a leadership thing was just to shuffle everybody so that everybody was doing something quite different. Like if you were just doing calls or just doing paperwork, like you would have been burned out, but you got to be in the field. I mean, just kind of keeping everybody's thing. I think, I mean, you were doing music, but you're also doing visual effects. So it's like everybody was, you could kind of make your own sort of schedule. I just trusted everybody to do their thing. And everybody, I mean, I had high expectations to begin with, because again, you guys are also talented, but I was completely blown away 
by how much everybody came through. And I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You know, any success this thing has, I mean, you could not have taken one person out that wasn't in there and replaced him with somebody else. Cause like I, there was a weird alchemy that came together those five days for me. And it was, it was a thing to watch and it was a thing. To it was our, of. a night at the opera. It, it, <laughs> it, it was, yeah, I really, I mean, and again, i I work with a ton of professional people and it's just, it's, but to have, uh, for some reason, this strange motley crew that we had, it all gelled perfectly. I don't know how it's the I down in front touch, man. I it's can't, like I can't take like, I can't take too much credit for it. Cause like, I don't feel like I had a lot of responsibility in terms of just making everybody work to the level that they did. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, like I said, there was a, there was a moment there Saturday night where I'm like this or Sunday night where I said, this is, this is working. Like this is going to work like this, the product, not the process. The process was fine. And the process was again, amazing. But like the end product, it's like, we've, and we made a movie. Of, we kind of done it. Yeah. Like uh, we've survived and we've made, we've stayed awake I think, and Hey, this movie appeared that elevated the process. You know what I mean? That elevated like the, we, everybody's work. We turned diet Coke and coffee into a movie. Yeah. And that's yeah, pretty in the, much in the chat room. Mike, uh, Dave asks, did you have anything to do uh, from a storytelling point of view? Did you help with structure and stuff like that? I didn't, I didn't have to do too much. I mean that that's part of what I was there for. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, as as Eddie said, he basically just and and it was it that was another thing where I was sort of like I've never done a documentary before, so um, I'm I have to go by what makes sense to me. But I would, and that's of, what I know, wanted though, because yeah. I've always maintained the same rules apply, like the exact same rules apply from a narrative standpoint. Yeah. So so, so um, as it was, Eddie just had like a whiteboard, and he had literally drawn like he literally drawn just simple like here's the timeline, and here is an arc. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and here is what happens at each point on the. And I I'm, basically fishboned it. Yeah, and like I, I, um, I looked at it and I basically went, uh, well, you might want a little more time for that. Like, but it was just, it was just kind of nitpicking, and it was something that would have to be discovered in the edit, which we did. Which we, we did. We looked at it and okay. um, stuff like that. But yeah, um, for the most part, it was, um. I helped in the sense that Eddie was like, here's what I'm thinking. And I was like, yeah, that seems fine. So <laughs> I concur. I yeah. concur. Yeah. First officer concurs. And let's, uh, let's finish this off with uh, each of us giving a best moment, worst moment uh, personally. Uh, and it can be anything that you did or you, you witnessed or were privy to, or, you know, the, the moment of your, of your highest uh, happiness and then your highest stress, I guess. My best moment was, well, let me do my worst moment. My worst moment was on Monday doing the <laughs> queue here, um, taking, I'm, I'm listening to the thing that Eddie put in and the way he edited it. And I'm going, okay, so at, you know, 32 seconds, the change comes from here to there and it does this. And I'm trying to write a piece of music that's going to hit those beats in like no time at all. I was late already in terms of getting back there with this piece of music and I'm bashing my head into the piano. And I'm pretty sure you're getting texts from me going, yeah. when are you coming back? And and like there's people in my house that are like want to make food and I'm like, get out of the kitchen, fuck you, go away. And it's just like the really stressful ball of stress boy. Um, and I finally get one and I'm like laying down the stuff that I need to fill out the mix so it's not just piano but there's also some strings coming in and going, 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 going. And then it's just like, I get a text from Brian he's like, when are you going to be here? I'm like, I can mix this here or there. What do you want me to do now? And he's like, come here and finish it here. And I'm in the car and it's a rush hour. So I'm just like going down the 101 like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Just listening to NPR and like like doing that forceful nodding thing where it's like go 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 <laughs> oh my god i don't care you know and um so cool. that was low that was a low moment i was, I was really stressed um and then uh, i guess the best moment i was really psyched 
I was really psyched. My favorite cue that I came up with is one that initially you didn't think you were going to be able to use. At first, I'm like, that's a great song, but it's not, it's not yeah, for the show. That's, that's the track called Engage that you can hear on the thingy, but uh, it ended up getting put in, and I was so pleased. You ended up using, you, you said, we, don't, we can't use this, make something that's more like this, and we did end up using that one, too. That was yeah. Ride, but Engage, I was like, oh, but that's such a cool track. It was a cool track, and, and I then dug it. goes it. in, just, and it was, it was, I was really, really pleased with that. I was but really again, that was, that that was when I was constructing the edit, that was where I was like... I need a moment to explain this and it's going to be fast paced and I need a cue. I literally had my, like the, the mouse over the iTunes ready to just pull in a song and temp track it. But I'm like, well, let's try this one track. And I threw it in. I'm like, you know, that works like that. That actually cool. works here. It didn't. And that's uh, documentary is a huge part of discovery. You're just, you're constantly discovering filmmaking is too. And no doubt, but with documentary, especially because you really have no rails at one point. And once you hit the edit, you're really kind of just floating. Right. You know it's a mean? lot of speculative work and yeah. mixing and matching. Yeah. Brian, what was your best worst? Uh, well, my worst easily uh, would have been Monday night after everything is all said and done. We've got it. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's literally like 10 o'clock and we have to have the thing postmarked by, by midnight. Uh, and I'm like, Eddie, I will take it. You go sleep. You go be a husband again. You know, go be a dad again. Uh, I will take it to the FedEx and take care of it. Uh, so I take it to the 24 hour FedEx that we have, uh, have previously identified. And uh, she makes, you know, t at the counter, she makes up the label. She puts it in. And I look at the label. And, and the thing has to have a postmark of the that the deadline, fourth. March 4th was the day. And I look at the label and it says ship date March 5th. And I go, fuck. And I ask her, okay, I, this is for a contest. This has to say March 4th. Somehow I need to make sure that this is clear that this is going out. Like it doesn't have to actually, because she was like, well, it will, the, the transactions happened yesterday, yeah, yeah. but it won't actually get shipped till tomorrow. Thus, you're like, I don't care. Like, just put the day four on there. Yes. I, that doesn't matter. I just need to prove that I was here before midnight. And she's like, well, there's no way to say that on the label. There's just, we just can't. We're like, fuck, 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 fuck. Um, <laughs> so what we, this, you know, literally, and this like 1030 and, you know, an hour and a half left until, you know, it, uh, everything is done. Uh, and you're thinking like, oh my God, can I like take a picture of this box next to a clock that seems official or something? <laughs> it, it, it literally was me and her and then this, you know, nice Jewish couple that was also mailing something or other and the guy was a producer or whatever. Uh, just like, how can we do... So what we ended up doing is having her print a couple of receipts. Right. Uh, and so I took one and stuffed one into the the thing and then I immediately... immediately oh, good. good call. Very smart. Immediately emailed uh, the, Kat Tushner. Yeah, yeah. the uh, the people, the person I had been emailing with all sorts of panicky questions over the weekend. Yeah. Oh, I had too because once I that was the other thing. What, go ahead. I'll let you finish. Well, yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, I had emailed so you her put a many receipt for the transaction in the box. Yeah, and, and when I, I had the right day on. What I actually and like I it had the you know literally the the time and date stamp at the bottom. You know, eleven oh seven p.m. Whatever, and I literally you know circled it and then highlighted it really hard to the point where the the P in the AM PM rubbed off. And I'm like, fuck. You, you know what? Can we get another one? So there's literally two receipts in there. And next, the next one I highlight, but less, just like this would be absolutely <laughs> less of a spaz. positively 100% clear. Tossed them both in. Immediately emailed Kat and was like, okay, listen, this is what happened. Are we okay? And she's like, yeah, that's fine. I'm like, all right but that was like good job two inches from the finish line and then you're like that that one last obstacle that you would never see coming did your uh, blood turn cold when she was like it's gonna say march 5th he, i mean to a certain degree yeah like not the coldest my blood has ever run on those sorts of things but this was definitely like if i 
<laughs> fucking half an hour beforehand. Oh, no, God damn it, no. Um, so that was easily the most the most stressful. It's cool moment. that you said the 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 guy in the couple was a producer. Was he like hip to this? Was he like let him do his thing? Uh, he was. I like, just imagined he was super cool about it. He like, was. Well, he was your she animal. was like a. She's like a soap actress star or something, and he had produced medical something or other, uh, and so he. We were talking about that, um, but they 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 were very nice. They were like you know because I had to redo it, and then they had come in, so she had you know started helping them because I was filling something out. And I'm the whole time I'm just sitting there like looking at my watch exactly with the same like head nodding thing you were just talking about. Just like uh, if I just move faster, maybe everything will happen faster. Uh, but they were like, just take care of him first. Just take care of him first. Everything's fine. Because I don't want to be in the paper tomorrow. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Mike, yeah, what was anyway. yours? Oh, wait. You, did you, you didn't have he a best. Didn't say his uh, did I give it best? I don't know no, what my best was. I guess my best would be just the absolute opposite of that. What I, what I mentioned earlier was like, I'm standing here and everything is taken care of for the moment yeah. and I have nothing to do. And that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> at, at one point you were like, uh, I, I don't have anything to do. Does anyone need me for anything? And Jeff's like, you're the producer right now. You should just be looking at Facebook <laughs> and you turn around your laptop and it's on Facebook and Jeff's yeah. like, yeah, good. Good work. <laughs> yeah. Checks out. I was actually, yeah, that was I don't know how one. many producers have sat behind me with Facebook on like, and then I need to buy it and they're like, oh, cool. And then they're back on Facebook. And that's, that's exactly yeah. how it should and be. That's, and that's what it is. Yeah. That's, you know, like you come in and you do things when they're needed. Okay. Yeah. Now my, yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, for me, the having, having not been as heavily involved except for that last day, the hardest part for me was that um, last day, <laughs> that last day and, and, you know, being subject to the tyranny of the progress bar. Um, and it's like that scene in office space. Yeah. There, there, I mean, there's nothing to be done. I was just like, okay, actually that's not true. It was going super slow and I was like, okay, this is not going to work. And then I, it, it was the, um, the force motion blur to convert it. To, uh, to 24 that was taking too long so i had oh, to go really? back and actually take it was tr it was tripling the render time no shit so i had to go back and actually remove that from the 72 shots and oh, then wow. it went boom 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 so um that's weird but um because when i was testing it it was it was substantially faster than rsmb well it was certainly f i'm sure it was faster yeah, than rsmb but it, but it was huh. still gonna it wasn't doing that on my computer yeah. i don't know what's going on um, anyway damn at any rate uh and then it was then it went whoop, the the render time it was like okay good phew um and uh then just you know heading over to to get everything and i guess i guess the high point for me then would be i get it over we plug in the hard drive it comes up <laughs> we, <laughs> we dropped we, it in we dro drop it in there's no corruptions or anything like that no drop frames it totally sinks there were no errors and i was like okay there it is everything is fine <laughs> so that's always a high point in any project no I think. kidding right all right eddie for me, uh, highest high, lowest low. Highest, uh, let's do lowest low first. Um, lowest low. I think it's interesting that all of us have an easier time remembering what sucked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's but I mean, very little of it actually sucked. I want to, I want to like there were there were little moments, but all those moments got smoothed out pretty relatively. Well, quickly. yeah, I mean, it's not you know, yeah, things um, are fine. I would say, I mean, there was a point, there was a point like before I went to bed on Saturday. I remember going to bed on Saturday, I like, and by that point, everybody had left, and I told Jeff, like, look, I'm going to edit in, into the evening, and it was like 2.30. It was like, and at this point, I'm just exhausted, and things are starting to blur together, and I looked at the timeline, and I had strung out, like, 10, 15 minutes. I mean, you saw what I had cut yeah. Sunday, and I, I looked at it, I'm like, this is not 
this is just people talking. This is just soundbite, soundbite, soundbite. This isn't a film yet. Like this isn't really like, I, and I haven't shot enough reality to like break this up. And I, I don't know how much of my archival I can, cause you need, you can't just have, I always say you cannot just have soundbite, soundbite, sound, that is not, does not a documentary make. You can't just have people talking at your face. Like you have to construct, there are scenes that you have to put together. And there was, and so then my best moment then was there was a point where I realized there's a key piece of footage I need that I don't own the rights to. And I, I remember like Brian actually texted me like, well, fair use. Right. And I'm like, Oh shit. I'm so used to like TV where I need rights to everything right. where it's like documentary film. So I immediately like I emailed cat and I said, what's the thing on fair use? She emailed me this link of like this, this media policy center and like their standard definition of fair use. And once I saw that, we and, totally qualified. And I looked at it and said that there was the two things and it said, one, the use has to be transformative, meaning that it's like you can't you it can't be the thing that it's intended for. So like this film is not yet rated can show scenes from movies because it's not trying to actually show you a movie. It's trying to add commentary to, you know, social commentary to it. You know what I mean? It's like using it as an example to make a broader commentative point. Does that mean that we could put video versions of movies with diff commentaries on YouTube? Uh, I, I would imagine a, that's not. a bit no. different. That's a, because yeah. you're showing the whole movie. And like the other thing is yeah. like you only show, you only show as much as, <laughs> as you, much need. you need. That's like the only show as much as you need to deliver that point and make it. And, and the other thing is that you're not damaging the original owner of that thing. Now, if you just start releasing whole movies with your commentary, you're actually damaging it. That's the th- it could be interpreted that way. And so I looked at it and I'm like, we're good. And then once I had that moment, then it's like the rest of the film just started lining up. And then I cut that whole ending that you were, you know, the other back right. half of the film, I cut that thing in like three hours and I was like, this is it. Boom, 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 boom. Everything fell together. This is exactly what I needed to do combined with other things I knew existed. And then finding, and then having Sam actually find me a couple of moments in reality from my archival looking at all that together. It was enough to break up the monotony of people talking at your face. Once I knew I had that, it's like this will work. We are the yeah, pretty much, yeah. Like, and then friend. once I saw the color mix and everything come together in your last track, it's like, fuck, we've got a film. Like, we've got we've got a legit film on our hands, a short film, but we've got a legit thing here. And um, and my happiest is just like once there were these moments where I knew we were on the cusp of something really really cool, and then seeing it all come together Monday, and then Mickey brought over champagne. Uh, <laughs> and, and by the way, Chloe brought over Shepherd's Pie. Oh yeah. One. Oh, and brownies. And, and brownies. brownies. No, night one. The, I take it back. The brownies are the high point. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair. Totally fair. She had never made it with those recipes before because she has allergies to like everything in brownies. Yeah. So she went when she makes brownies. Usually, it's for her to eat, and they. They taste different. <laughs> Those were outstanding human brownies. No kidding. So, I mean, I just... it. And what was funny is Sam is... She states our preference towards vegetarianism. Right. And she's like, like diving into the shepherd's pie. I'm like, that's oh, dude. that. And she's like, I don't care. It's yummy. Inland empire. Like when we were in the IE finish up our shoot, we got, uh, uh, was it in and out? And she just, I mean, she devoured she, it. She was, <laughs> she, we needed food. At Meanwhile, that point. Paul actually doesn't eat animals at all. No, he doesn't. And no, every he, time she's like, I'm a vegetarian. He's like, Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, just all those things came together and it was just a, a truly, truly wonderful experience that I, I, uh, again, exceeded all my expectations. I can't, can't so. wait for people to see it. Me either. I, I, I'm tired of talking about it. I want people to see it. So, so anyway, yeah. this has been uh, Down in Front. You can always find more episodes at downinfront.net. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Get a brand new episode every single week. Twitter.com slash Down in Front. Facebook Down in Front. Show at Down in Front. Show at gmail.com. Go to the forum. of all for stuff in the conversation. Wonderful community of people. Great conversations. In the thread for this 
episode, you'll see uh, you know what we can show you so far, which is right now my the, the the score, and then also I'll put up my VHS thing if you want to play with it. But it's already in the creations part, and uh, it's also where we announce when and where the live shows are going to happen. We also tell them on Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe to any of those things to find out when we're going to be. So you can come out, hang out in the chat room, which is at downinfront.net/live with the forum, the Twitter, and the Facebook will tell you when it's going to be. Go to the store, buy our shirts, give us money on PayPal. We're not asking; we're just saying. But please, and then Matt Veda Veda is a is a mensch and Holden Hill design and maintain the website. Until next week, my name is T. Christie. Brian Finiter. Mike Cup. Eddie Doty. This has been Down in Front. Thank you much for listening. Good night. Good night. Oh, man. I want Shepard's client. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right?